Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions, hello, Mike Dove. Hello, dear. How are you? I'm all right. I thought it was Friday. It's oh, not. Oh, no. I mean, it might be. It's Friday when the listeners are listening. But it's we're, Friday somewhere. But we're recording this before Friday. And our... <laughs> a Dottie's preschool teacher was very confused when I said, see you Tuesday. And she said, what? I said, don't we have Monday off? And she's like, yeah, but it's, is she not coming tomorrow? Like, I was like, oh, no, I totally forgot. I skipped a whole day. You should have just committed to him and be like, no, we've decided no school tomorrow. <laughs> why? Because. And then I had to answer a bunch of questions on the way home from Dottie about why did I think that way and what happened and what are we going to do tomorrow and could she not go to school tomorrow and... Uh, it was a lot. My favorite, uh, was, I've been telling people about this of late, of Dot has become very incredulous of hills. Mm. And I don't know why, but I get this question a lot. Is that a hill? Yes. Why? <laughs> and I don't know how to answer that. I mean, there are certainly places in Ohio that have the kind of like, I think I think that Ohio is part of like the glacier area right there used to be a glacier here and there's parts of the of ohio that are flatter than others because of the glacier am i making this up baby i have no idea i don't know i feel like that was part of our ohio history i didn't grow up here i know but i thought that you might know just in general nope you guys had west virginia history though right yeah yeah I ask me about West Virginia, I'll tell you everything. Is West Virginia part of a glacial plain? I have no idea. That's not what we're talking about today, though. We're talking about Yoda. No. No? Yoga. Okay. That's okay, too, I guess. Specifically, yoga classes. Specifically, specifically, yoga. Cl- <laughs> I, knew, I thought I was going to do it. Yoga uh, classes in the United States. <laughs> Yogurt thought, classes are next week. That's, yeah, that's a different thing. <laughs> I thought I was going to do it. I'm so glad it wasn't me. No, you pulled one out early with the Yoda. Yeah, but I, I, I almost said yogurt, and then I was like, too obvious. Um, Because this time of year, um, we talked about resolutions, and a common resolution is to engage in some like new healthy activity, right? Yes. Um, Some and, form of physical uh, I- engagement. Right, yeah. Yes. A lot of people, like yourself, say they want to walk more. I do. I would like to walk more. Yeah. I, I've been trying to. You have been. I, I see your your what your goal meter. I did. I made, I made myself a little dry erase board thermometer that I can color in as I walk miles. <laughs> um, but yoga classes are a very common offering for a lot of like fitness studios. Right. Yeah. Um, community centers, things like that, because there is a wide variety of different yoga practices, and there is, you know, basically 
anybody can do yoga. So would you say that the rules and structure of yoga are very flexible? Uh, Yes, I would. There were lots of wonderful people who wrote to us and wanted some etiquette of yoga classes. And so we have a lot of those questions included in this, but also we wanted to give a brief history of uh, yoga in America because... Obviously, yoga itself is an extremely intricate and personal practice that dates back thousands of years. Uh, The physical practice is an ancient Indian tradition, almost as old as civilization itself. Um, So this overview is going to barely scratch the surface of the more Western-centric yoga practices. But But we didn't invent it, and we can't stress that enough. Absolutely not. If you would like to go deeper into this incredible tradition. We recommend that you check out the Yoga Sutras by Patanjali, The Wisdom of Yoga by Stephen Cope, and The Light on Life, The Yoga Journey to Wholeness, Inner Peace, and Ultimate Freedom by BKS Inyangar. So lots of online sources as well, if that's what you're interested in. So the first question that we need to ask ourselves is Mm -hmm. how exactly does an ancient Indian movement tradition become an American phenomenon? In the year 1893, a Hindu monk named Swami Vivekananda, I hope that I am pronouncing some of these a little bit right, traveled to the U.S. intending to share his yoga practice with everyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was born in 1863 to a well-off Calcutta family. And as a young man, he became a disciple of the mystic Ramakrishna, uh, taking his monastic vows shortly before his guru passed away. Um, So now that he was a monk, Swami traveled throughout India for five years before he decided to come to the World's Parliament of Religions in Chicago in 1893. His teacher, Ramakrishna, had taught him that the world's major religions were but various phases of one eternal religion, um, which seems pretty progressive to me. Yeah, I think that that is a very progressive way of looking at it, especially like during a time, um, you know, we don't need to get too into uh, American religious politics, but it very rarely is like, I think we're all kind of on the same page when you think about very rarely is that seen from this direction outward, you know? Yeah, and I think that um, when when Swami came here, he was hoping that at this interfaith conference, he would find a lot of this, like, connectedness, but unfortunately, he didn't. Uh Um, He said, in America, it's the place, the people, the opportunity for everything new. That's very optimistic of him. He encountered several travel difficulties on his way to Chicago and found himself very nervous. Uh, But when he came to the podium and addressed the room as Sisters and Brothers of America, he was met with thunderous applause. Excellent. He gave a brief but eloquent speech about toleration and condemned fanaticism. He did a tight five about airplane food. Everybody <laughs> loved it. Saying, I am proud to belong to a religion which has taught the world both tolerance and universal acceptance. We believe not only in universal toleration, but we accept all religions as true. Excellent. I love it. The people at the time did not because uh, 
we just finished the Civil War, mm-hmm. right? Um, so American society was obsessed with kind of like division and right industry and, yeah. and power and, you know, the kind of balance of those things. It was, well, it was tough medicine to take. Well, and that's the thing, you know, you got a uh, post-Civil War, not only was there division of like North and South, you know, and, and you know, that kind of thing, but there was also like huge power vacuums, right? Because yes. a lot of industry had been interrupted mm-hmm. by the war and the rebuilding of it. So now is this like opportunity for people to step in and that American bootstrap ideal, but mostly a lot of um, robber barons and uh, that sort of deal. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of capitalism, 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 capitalism. And, you know, having been divided by the Civil War, there was a lot of animosity really throughout the United States at the time. Um, but he's still credited as being the very first person to bring the idea of yoga to America. And it was very much a matter of philosophy and psychology and kind of like self-improvement at the time. His personal practice didn't really have the kind of like flowing movements that we associate with like a, a yoga class you might take today or even the postures that are now commonly associated with the practice of yoga. Mm-hmm. But in the late 1800s, there was actually very little agreement as to what yoga was especially in the united states here right because it is kind of like an all consum like consuming thing like a like a lifestyle right um and it's so because it, it reminds thought, me a lot of like meditation because I've, yeah. I've been doing that for a long time and and it's interesting because very rarely is there a like there's only one way to meditate and it's this way until someone is charging you money for mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, let me teach you my way to meditate for this much money. And most of the time it's just like, yeah, man, like, yeah, the end goal or whatever you're working for mindfulness, right? Whatever way that you achieve it, that you need to do while you do it works. It's not like, oh, you're meditating wrong. And if, if you're achieving the mindfulness and all that stuff, it's like, Cool, dude. Great. Until someone wants to say, hey, you're doing it wrong. And for $50, I'll show you how to do it right. (laughs) Um, And so the word yoga at this time was kind of like thrown around kind of as like maybe it was a diet or a system of like mental concentration or maybe breathing techniques or a a lot of different things. Um, And as it was something very brand new, a lot of like Victorian Westerners, right, um, had a kind of racist obsession with like Eastern cultures of all sure. kind. So the idea of yoga occupied the same space as like turban wearing sh- snake charmers or something, right? It all yeah. Seemed... There's a lot of that in like stage magicians as well mm-hmm. of like yeah. people doing different forms of uh, racially insensitive. Uh, and appropriative performances because there were, to the people of uh, of the West, the East was like inherently like mystical. Right, yeah. This magical. idea of mysticism was really kind of popularized at this time. Okay, but the 20th century brought in more of the kind of posture-based forms of yoga we know today. Um, and this is due to a man named Swami Kuvalananda, Um, And he was one of the first people to make the idea of yoga practice much more like 
digestible for Western audiences. Um, what he did was merged the traditions of Hatha yoga with practical, like, medical beliefs. Okay. Um, so Hatha yoga is a particular branch of yoga that focuses on, like, the flowing physical movements we were talking about. So by the tw- 1920s and 1930s, yoga was gaining a higher profile in America, not just as, like, this kind of mysticism that we just talked about, right? But much more as, like, part of, like, a health routine? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um in 1923, the Supreme Court ruled that um, Indian Americans were ineligible for citizenship. What? Right. Yeah. Uh, and so this left several Indian immigrants without citizenship and other rights. And so what happened was a lot of political activists rebranded themselves as yogis in order to stay in the U.S., And they would travel around giving lectures and classes and things like that. Um, But by the end of the 1930s, Hatha Yoga's revival in India made its way to the United States. And this is where we see the boom. Um, And so people recognized it as a a helpful physical tool that could improve posture and flexibility. Um, That is fair because when I think about there's a lot of educational films about posture coming out of like the forties and fifties and sixties. Right. Yes. I guess it makes sense that you would start to be like, Oh, how do we keep out today's youth standing up straight in the classrooms? And, and the sixties that you talk about that kind of revival of, of everything old is new again. Right. Is partly because of television. Um, Several yoga practitioners decided that TV specials were a wonderful way to present approachable and practical forms of yoga to a wider audience. So this was fueled by the hippie counterculture, right? And the new age kind of movement. Sure. Um, And so... The dawning of the age of Aquarius, one might say. One might say that. Um, It resurfaced again, another boon, uh, with the emergence of VHS tapes. Oh, yes. The fitness industry itself, right, really got into, like, the idea of, like, working out at home. You can have your own class at home with this VHS. There is a great, great, great uh, couple of episodes of the podcast Decoder Ring Hmm. about, like, Jane Fonda. Yeah. And they talk a lot about, like, Jane Fonda's home exercise set and, like, the way that things change. Because, hey, youngins, gather around. There was a time where... Buying a VHS tape was so expensive, right? Which was why Blockbuster came into existence. Video rentals came into existence because it could be like hundreds of dollars to buy a VHS tape. And now you think of them as like, you mean those things that are like a quarter at Goodwill or whatever? It's like, yeah, but at the time it didn't work that way. Yeah. Um, And you used to like go and rent and check them out. Um, and when they became affordable and stuff, the uh, home workout stuff just boomed. Yeah, yeah. And DVDs as well, right? That's another kind of like, we we see these kind of waves and crests, right? As, as things become popular and then there's like the people who come out against that thing and then it swings back to like it's not popular anymore. Mm-hmm. So it kind of has a rebirth a little later. We, we've seen this with a lot of different cultural phenomenons, right? And 
it happens that in the United States, yoga has this kind of like pendulum swing in in the culture of the U.S. and and I think that the VHS, the DVD, the you know streaming, streaming even yeah, yeah right. has really kind of made these swings a little more still right because we have this this constant stream of just exposure well we also to don't, these ideals we don't have as much of a monoculture anymore mm-hmm. right where it was like you can pinpoint these booms in like home workouts and stuff like that because that was what was available right but i would say that my guess is with stuff like tiktok right whenever you get a trend of like overall general health exercise wellness whatever the trend is that stuff like yoga goes up it's just not one thing right right it's like yoga and water consumption and meal prepping and these things mm-hmm. because suddenly everybody's talking about these trends and like are you looking for like a five minute way to improve it right and it all gets folded into the same thing instead of just one thing peaking at a time yeah we'll be back in just a moment to answer some questions and i'm sure go over some etiquette but first how about a word from another Max Fun show? Soundheap with John Luke Roberts is a real podcast made up of fake podcasts. Like, if you had a cupboard in your lower back, what would you keep in it? So I'm going to say mugs. A little yogurt and a spoon. A small handkerchief that was given to me by my grandmother on her deathbed. Maybe some spare honey? I'd keep batteries in it. I'd pretend to be a toy. If I had a cupboard in my lower back, I'd probably fill it with spines. If you had a cupboard in your lower back, what would you keep in it? Doesn't exist. We made it up for Sound Heap with John Luke Roberts, an award-winning comedy podcast from Maximum Fun, made up of hundreds of stupid podcasts. Listen and subscribe to Sound Heap with John Luke Roberts now. Oh, darling, why won't you accept my love? My dear, even though you are a duke, I could never love you. You, you borrowed a book from me and never returned it. <gasps> Save yourself from this terrible fate by listening to Reading Glasses. We'll help you get those borrowed books back and solve all your other reader problems. Reading Glasses, every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Okay, we're back. Yeah. Um, So if you would like to take a yoga class um, or buy a yoga DVD or something like that, we have some etiquette and some questions we would love to answer for you. Yes, please. Um, So before you take one of these classes, you should learn about the different types of yoga that are available at your studio or gym. Most places have like class descriptions that give a little snippet of what you might need, what kind of um, skills you might have, you know, already and what you might be learning. Um, So what you need to do is you need to know your own fitness level. Have you done yoga for years or you're coming back from a bit of a break? Is this a completely new practice to you and you'd rather just do some light stretching, right? Um, Are all your bones feeling like one (laughs) solid piece like mine are? I, I am not a flexible. What's interesting, there are elements of my body that are very flexible, um, but overall, right, especially my legs, it's like, oh, that's nothing. That's yeah. nothing. That's yeah. nothing. 
And it's, I have a lot, I have tight nerves. Tight mm. nerves in my leg. Not the tendons. Not the muscles. Not the joints. The nerves. Wow. Because I'm already always ready for fight or flight. That must I'm be I'm always it. prepared. I'm ready to be attacked at any moment and then run away from it. <laughs> um, so Like a gazelle. <laughs> read these class descriptions before you book. And if you're still not sure, um, you can talk to an instructor, right? Or a friend. I bet, like... You probably know someone in your life who takes yoga classes, who does yoga classes. I think I know several people who have taken them to the point of becoming certified and then teach them. Mm. That you could go to and be like, hey, run me through, like, what, where do you think I'm at of, like, starting it and, like, where I should start at? Do you have any recommendations for, like, what, you know, where I should go and what levels I'm looking at and that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, the next thing is you I really... bet you have an aunt who does it. Just something tells me, <laughs> listener, your aunt does it. You should be punctual. This is one of those times where that that adage, if you're early, you're on time, and if you're on time, you're late, uh, really comes into play because there are a lot of like preparatory things that you need to do for a yoga class. You want to make sure that you have enough time to put your things away, especially like your shoes and your socks, turn off your phone, get your mat ready, get any of the other things that you might need, like a yoga block or a towel. Um, a lot of places with like sign up classes, you have to you have to pay for your class or you have to do the sign ins or you have to uh, sign a, a legal waiver or something like that. So it is important that you arrive early for your class. This isn't just something that you can run in and do. Well, and also, uh, I've never taken a yoga class, but if it's anything like uh, meditation or anything like that, which I assume it is, I've done group meditation. Anyways, is there is a time of, and this is true like with rehearsals and anything like this, mm-hmm. and um, where there is a kind of transitional period of like, you're getting there, maybe you're rushing from something to get there, and there's a chance of like, I'm getting in my body, I'm getting present in this moment, mm-hmm. doing this thing, and then we begin the thing, and just going straight from like rushing in to start, it's gonna take you, I, like it's gonna take you so long to get in the moment, and also, just as far as like Schmanners goes, if everybody else is like, okay, I'm in the moment, I've taken, and then you come in, flustered and running like 10 minutes late and oh, I'm so sorry oh my god oh, I'm like, sorry everybody. Yeah. it's that's everybody is now distracted and it's harder for the teacher to pull everybody back and all that stuff so 10 to 15 minutes is a good buffer zone so if you if your class starts at 11 aim to get there at 10 45 so that you can do all these things and get ready yeah um like I and said plan to stay the whole time yeah like if it's an hour-long class and you're like well I have a thing, so I could only do 45, like, then you're still leaving in the middle. Now, I guess you could talk to the teacher, and if the teacher's like, oh, that's totally fine, just, you know, set up near the door or whatever. But my recommendation is, if you are, like, signing up for a class, for example, that's, like, 10 to 11, Mm -hmm. you want to plan on, like, are you actually available, like, 9.45 to 11.15? Yeah. Um, Turn off your phone, because this... uh the idea of a yoga class is often pretty meditative, right? So you don't want any kinds of distractions. And that includes not disturb because, like, I listen, I get a massage occasionally. And sometimes I forget to turn on do not disturb on my phone. And I'm sitting there, and even though my phone's off, you hear. Zzz, zzz. Well, then your phone's not off. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. Because a lot of times people here turn your phone off and they're like, silent, got it. And it's oh, like, no, no, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no, 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 no. Because what's the good that you're going to buzz and you're going to stop what you're doing and answer it? No. If you're not going to answer it, put it on Do Not Disturb. Um, try and be pretty spatially aware. Um, there's usually a mat that you use in a yoga class. So your mat is your zone, right? And you don't want to like block anybody's view. So it's common courtesy that students stagger their mats so that everyone can get like a clear view of the teacher. Um, no shoes on the yoga floor. A lot of these studios have really nice kind of like hardwood or parquet flooring. Um, and everyone does the flows or the stretches in their bare feet. Um, Go to the bathroom before class Oh, starts. that's a great one. Yeah. You don't want to be in some kind of intricate pose, and then you're like, oh, I got to go potty. Right? That's not the time for that. Well, Get yourself ready. We'll talk a little bit about that in just a second. Oh, um, boy. Okay. Go easy on the perfume, cologne, things like that. Um, again, it's usually like a, a smaller space, and deep breathing is part of yoga most of the time. Um, and so smells that are typically more muted will probably get more amplified in class. Um, be mindful of your hygiene in general for that as well, right? It's usually, like I said, an intimate space. So your teeth, your deodorant, clothes that are clean, things like that, all make a difference. They're going to make you feel better. They're going to make you feel better about being in the room. And they're going to make everybody else feel good, too. Speaking of clothes, I would recommend non-restrictive, but clothes that are going to uh, stay where they are while you move around. Mm. Right? Because you don't want to be like constantly, for example, if I'm wearing a t-shirt and I'm doing any kind of pose, right, where my head is lower than my back, right, Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to keep like tugging my t-shirt back into place, right? So it maybe it's tucked in or whatever. I don't want to have to keep pulling my shorts back into place or whatever. So I would say try to think about clothes that you're not going to have to constantly worry about readjusting as you move into different positions, clothes that aren't going to bind up and kind of get in the way as you move around, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, remember that yoga, one of the like central points is about doing the things that your body can do now. Mm-hmm. So try not to be self-critical or focused on anything that you can't do. Don't do any poses that make you feel uncomfortable, right? And let me also say this, because this was the mistake that I made for many, many years when it comes to stretching and flexibility. Don't stretch 100%. Like, if you're pushing it as hard as you can go and you're like, I to stretch means I have to stretch myself as hard as I can go. You're just going to end up irritating or damaging yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what ended up happening with the, the nerves in my legs. And so you should be stretching like 25%, right? Because you're just trying to grow over time. Right. It's not like, oh, you stretched this one time at 100%. Now you're flexible forever. It's a little bit at a time you're increasing your flexibility. So don't like stretch so hard that you hurt yourself. Mm -hmm. And your teachers can usually help you with this, right? If you have injuries or physical limitations or like, you know, whether it's a bad knee or a trick back or whatever it is, if you let someone know this, um, they'll be more apt to give you like modified poses mm-hmm. ideas um, or suggest now uh, this is more an advanced pose. Anyone can stay in the last pose for a little longer so that they don't have to hurt themselves moving into the next pose. So, you know, be very communicative about that with your instructor. Uh, the next etiquette advice is be silent during savasana. But deadly. Sorry, no, during what? Savasana. That's at the very end. 
um, you usually lay quite flat on your mat. Some people like to bring their knees up because it's hard on your back to lay flat sometimes. Um, and so this is like silence, stillness, and meditation mm, time. Love that. Um, and this is, it's very important that you do this, but a lot of teachers uh, will have a kind of code, right? Maybe they come around and they help people stretch or they give you a, like a warm towel on your forehead or something like that. And you can ask your teacher if this is something that they do and if they have a kind of code. Like if you want physical action, place your hands on your stomach. If you don't, put your hands by your sides, okay, right? So you that go. they can know this person would enjoy a warm towel. Your hands are on your stomach. Great. Make sure you clean up your area after class. If you borrowed a, or rented a mat, uh, wipe it down, roll it up, return it to where it goes, wipe up any sweat, anything you use like yoga block or tennis ball or whatever, put them back where they go, obviously, and then take all of your own things with you. Here is mm -hmm. the most asked question. What do you do if you fart during a yoga class? I'm going to guess, just keep going, everybody farts. That's a great one. Yep. Um, here's the thing. You just say, ah, my tension is escaping. <laughs> Some of yoga is actually designed to make you fart. Mm, this is like when someone burps after a meal, and they're like, in some countries, this is an expression of, this is a compliment to the chef. It's like that. It is like that. A lot of yoga postures are intended to aid in digestion and specifically help you to pass gas. Mm. Uh, for example, some poses involve twisting your body to release pressure and pent-up gas. There's actually a yoga pose that literally translates the wind-relieving pose. Well, there you go. Where you lie on your back and hold one of your shins to massage your abdominal organs, right? So it is perfectly normal. And if you fart, it might mean that you're doing something right. There you go. Um, it can be a little bit embarrassing. Sure. So if you need to fart and you don't want to do it in like a crowded classroom, you can excuse yourself to go out and fart in the hall if you need to. But, you know, if you don't have to. You can just do what you would normally do. You can, you might want to laugh it off. Maybe you are. Blame it on somebody next to you. <laughs> Maybe you just want to ignore it, right? That's, it's important to know that everybody does it and that it is like the nature of the thing. I remember we did an episode about farting, right? And Miss Manners was like, the best thing to do is just ignore it. Yep. You drawing attention to yourself or to someone else only makes the kind of like anxiety last longer, right? You can ignore it or a simple excuse me, right? Right. And it's natural and the moment will pass. Sounds great. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you to our researcher, Alex, without whom we could not make this show. Thank you to our editor, Rachel, without whom we could not make the show. And thank you to you for listening. 
Why would we make the show without you? That makes no <laughs> sense whatsoever. If you haven't yet, go check out macromerch.com for all the cool stuff there. Um, and thanks to everybody who came out to Sketchfest last weekend to see uh, the shows that I was in and the show that I hosted. Uh, it was really, really fun and I had a great time. What else, Teresa? We always thank Brent, Brentoflas Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. If you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, go ahead and join that group today. Thank you to everyone who's been sending in topics and suggestions and questions. We love it. That uh, You can send them to schmannerscast at gmail.com and say hi to Alex, A-L-E-X-X, because she, she reads every single one. I also would like to say... That this was a really, like I said, a brief history of yoga in the United States um, and is no way encompassing the entire history of of yoga. And I encourage you, if that's something that you want to get into, there's lots of great resources online. And that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.